Pastor Xavier Reese describes the manual for living, the simple truths of God's Word. All the scriptures are inspired of God. They're God-breathed. They're profitable for instruction and righteousness, that the man of God might be thoroughly furnished unto all and every good work. All the scriptures. You have everything you need for life and godliness in your Christian life right here. Not out of psychology, not out of sociology, not out of humanism, but out of the scriptures. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people. It trains us to reject godless ways and worldly desires and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age as we wait for the happy fulfillment of our hope in the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. This simple truth from Titus 2.11 and 12 has a similar message to that of the prophet Malachi in that we are to appreciate the grace of God, live godly lives, and look forward to the coming of the Lord. Unfortunately, such wise words to live by were lost on the priests during the ministry of Malachi. Let's rejoin Pastor Xavier, renewing our accountability to the things of God. Malachi was... God's messenger to proclaim repentance to a rebellious and sinful people in order that God would not have to judge them. But to the priests, God had a sterner judgment because they had the greater knowledge and privilege. And therefore, they had the greater responsibility and accountability. And that's always the case as you go through Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. To those that much is given... Much is required. God will judge us according to the light that we possess. And so, we want to look at God's proclamation to the priests. Those who had been given the greater privilege. Those who had been given the responsibility of leadership. Verses 1 through 4, we have God's curse against the priest. It says, they would not hear implying refusal to repent. God is ever warning with one purpose in mind, that people may turn, repent. God does not point out some fault, just merely to rub our nose in it. But He does it with the purpose that we might see the damage towards ourselves, towards Him, and turn from it. And so, repentance is implied from the very first chapter, the very first verses, as he proclaims his love, and they say, which way have you loved us? They were just rejecting God's love. They misunderstood God's love. This was the first reason for the curse. They had turned a deaf ear to God, and they had hardened their hearts against God, because they felt that God had not come through. Remember, it had been 139 years, and the Messiah had still not come. The kingdom had not arrived. But secondly, they wouldn't give glory to His name. Verse 2. To give glory to His name implies to attribute everything that happens to the glory of God. To acknowledge God in everything that comes into my life because I belong to Him and therefore nothing happens by chance. 
Look at the extent of the curse in verse 3. Behold, I will rebuke your descendants and spread refuge on their faces, the refuge of your solemn feast, and one will take you away with it. God pronounces a curse on their blessings, knowing they would not repent. Yes, I have cursed them already. Why? Because you do not take it to heart. God, knowing all things beforehand, knowing the end from the beginning, He could see that they were not going to repent, and He pronounced the curse. He says, I have already pronounced the curse because I know your heart, you're not going to turn. Notice that God would reject their descendants who followed their example. In verse 3, God would reject them by defiling them with the animal's bowels and inners so that they would be removed along with all the things that were to be taken outside the camp and burned. And so he would reject them. The purpose of the curse is in verse 4. That you shall know that I have sent this commandment to you, that my covenant with Levi may continue, says the Lord of hosts. So first of all, two purposes. To know that it was God who had brought the curse upon them, not some coincidence. When God brings something on our life, he wants us to know that it's directly at his hand in chastening. And so he wanted them to know it wasn't just coincidence, but secondly, to cause others to repent that the covenant of Levi might continue. You see, in the curse coming along, then those who would pay heed, if they turn, then the covenant of Levi would continue and would be perpetuated by those who repented. The scriptures are very clear. Paul tells Timothy, those who are sinning rebuke in the presence of all that the rest may fear. So God says, I'm sending this curse that those who see it come may repent, that the covenant of Levi may continue, and they may repent and come back to what I called them. And so the nature of the covenant, first of all, is one of peace. He wants you to experience life to the fullest and to live in peace, but never misinterpret the peace of God with everything being perfect. The peace of God is beautifully pictured as you see a little bird in a nest in the midst of a storm sitting tranquil on its eggs over its nest. Not one with just shining sun and beautiful backdrop. That's the world's peace. That's the only time they have peace. But God's peace is because of Him, not because of the circumstance or situation. There's a vast difference. But the nature of the covenant was also one to fear and to revere God. The latter portion of verse 5. In Numbers 25 and Deuteronomy 33, He gives you the purpose of the covenant with Levi. Not only to be a representative, but to do the service and to revere God and to just fear Him. Remember, the priest was the only one who went into the Holy of Holy, and that only the high priest. No one else could go before God. No one else could offer a sacrifice. If you tried to offer a sacrifice, God would kill you. If you weren't right and you went into the Holy of Holies once a year and you weren't right, they tied a rope around your ankle, sent you in, and God killed you. They dragged you out. Nobody would go in to drag your corpse out. You couldn't go in. God made it very clear that to hang out with God was very dangerous. I think the New Testament church has lost that reverence and that fear. Now I realize I'm a son and I can call him daddy, but you know what? Some of us treat God like our friends or less than our friends. We don't honor him, we don't respect him, we don't revere him. We certainly don't fear him. And so, 
They had lost the fear and the reverence of God. They were doing their own thing. And because God had not judged them, they figured, hey, well, it's all right. No big deal. I'm right. I'm okay. I can abuse grace. I can do my thing. And, 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 and God will just wink at my sin. What a sad commentary on revelation that is. Having revelation, knowing that God is holy and God doesn't put up with sin, knowing that God has wiped out an entire world except for eight people, and that I would have the nerve to even think that. Looking at the gospel, knowing that He crucified His only Son because there was no other way for me to be redeemed, that I would think that. Sin kills. It kills. Sooner or later. But it kills absolutely. It will take your life as you live, and it may take your life eternally if you don't turn. Now in verse 6, he gives their past obedience to the covenant. The law of truth was in his mouth. He's reflecting back. The law of truth came forth from his mouth in instruction is what it means. He was faithful. He wasn't living duplicity, hypocrisy. Secondly, an injustice was not found in his lips. He didn't deal unrighteously. Thirdly, he walked with me in peace and equity. He walked with God in agreement, having peace. Amos 3.3, 3, can two walk together except they be agreed? In the cool of the day, Adam and Eve walked with God. Why? Because they were walking in Harmony with Him, and therefore the result was peace. And because all this was happening, they walked with God as one. They were in agreement. What God said was evil, they said, right on, that's evil. When God says, this is what I want you to do, this is what they said we should do. But there is a final thing of their past obedience, and that is, and they turned many away from iniquity. He turned many away from their sin and error. He was a source of light. He was a source of encouragement. He was a source of direction for people. Man, today there is such a great need for direction for people. Young people need direction because most of their parents are out in left field. They're out there doing their thing, working for everything, and they believe in themselves and not in God, and their children are left to themselves. Kids need direction. They need examples. They need exhortation. They need some form of light because they are in such darkness today. Their purpose in the covenant is given in verse 7. For the lips of a priest should keep knowledge, and people should seek the law from his mouth. For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. First, to keep knowledge, study, and to know God's word. We are exhorted in the New Testament, 2 Timothy 2.15, that we are to show ourselves approved, a workmanship, rightly dividing the word of truth. Study the word. Know its context. Know its meaning. Know its application. Know what it, whether the difference between the New Testament and the Old Testament. Know the word of God so you may give an answer to every man for the reason of the hope that lies in you. Jump into a study. Jump into the study of the Word, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. Get through it. Read it yourself once a year through the Bible, at least. It's a matter of priorities and commitment. 
And so to keep knowledge, to study, but secondly, to have people come to know the law from them. For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. And people should seek the law from his mouth. God had instructed them that they might in turn teach others. That's the whole purpose. God raised up as we studied Nehemiah. Ezra was there to instruct the people that had come out of captivity. They had forgotten the Hebrew language. And he had people instruct them and, and show them. And man, when they came to light of what the word said, they broke out. They all, oh, man, we've, we've sinned against God. And as we come into the house of God, into the place here to study the word, that's why we just go right to the verses, right to the chapters, and we instruct you about the word of God. That you might know. That you might be a doer. God has called me to be a pastor teacher. Not because I'm a great intellect. No way. But God has called me. He's gifted me in that. I recognize my gifts. And that's where I stay. I don't get out of my turf. I've got no business anywhere else. And my responsibility, God will hold me when he judges me, is were you a faithful pastor? Did you study and pray over the scriptures and did you feed your people? Did you warn your people? Did you oversee your people? Did you protect your people? That's my judgment. He's not going to tell me about evangelism, though we do evangelism, but that's not my calling. But we'll always do it. But he's going to hold me responsible for every one of you and what I've taught you. And if I've taught you or just listen to a tape and then come in here and repeat it, God will judge me. You know, sometimes I've been real busy with different things, and I go, well, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll use the study that I did, you know, and, and I, I can't do it. But I've got to go to the Lord. Lord, give me something fresh, something for today. You know, when God said, go out to get some manna, He says, take it a day at a time, and don't try to, you know, store it up, because it'll rot. God wants you to have fresh manna, the fresh word. You get in the word daily. I have to get in the word daily. All the scriptures are inspired of God. They're God-breathed. They're profitable for instruction and righteousness, that the man of God might be thoroughly furnished unto all and every good work. All the scriptures. You have everything you need for life and godliness in your Christian life right here. Not out of psychology, not out of sociology, not out of humanism, but out of the scriptures. And be careful that you don't mix the sciences with the scriptures. God doesn't need the sciences. As a matter of fact, the sciences will put the power of God to one side. Now, I'm not talking about a scientific law of gravity or all of that. I'm talking about the philosophy and the psychology that is being pushed onto the church today and putting a big label across it, Christian, not so. You may happen to be a Christian that is a philosopher, but I've never heard of a Christian philosopher unless they're giving out the word of God. That's God's philosophy. His love of wisdom is His word. And so you go to the word of God, and not man's knowledge. Ezekiel tells the watchman, or God tells Ezekiel, who is the watchman? If you don't warn the people, I'll hold you responsible for their blood. But if you warn them and they don't repent, then you're free. Paul picks it up in Acts 20, the same thing. He says, I am the innocent of the blood of any man. So it's not just Old Testament, New Testament. God holds me responsible if I don't warn you. But if I warn you and you don't repent, I'm free. 
Hey, let me tell you, I'm going to warn you. I don't want to get judged for it. No way. The last thing we see is God's condemnation of the priests in verses 8 and 9. But you, here's a contrast. But you have departed from the way. You have caused many to stumble at the law. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. Therefore, I also have made you contemptible and base before all the people, because you have not kept my ways and have shown partiality in the law. First, they had departed from the way. The first part of verse 8. The way of what? The way of holiness, godly fear, and the covenant. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. If you have departed from Jesus Christ, woe to you. If you are trying to get to God apart from Jesus Christ, you're going the wrong way. And God asks you to repent. Do you know that the Christians in the church was called those on the way before they were called Christians? Paul the Apostle says, I persecuted the way. Herod said that he would hear about that way in Acts chapter 22, 4 and 24, 22. And in Acts eleven twenty six, the Christians at Antioch were first called Christians. Before that, they were called those on the way. What way? God's way. You see, there's nothing exciting about going to heaven. That's not God's goal. What's exciting is that I'm going to go where Jesus is. So the goal is to get where Jesus is. And not simply some ideal concept of heaven. The way. They had departed from the way. What way? God's way. But secondly, they had caused many to stumble at the law. We've implied it as we've gone through this. Because of their example, many had stumbled. How many people have been young in the Lord and they see somebody who has been in the Lord longer or maybe someone who's led them to the Lord and they blow it and so they say, well, I don't want to be a Christian. If that's a Christian, forget it. You've all heard it. I've heard it. You try to witness to a friend. Oh, yeah, yeah, I had a friend like that. Yeah, and he took off with my wife. What do you say? First of all, you don't make any apologies for God. You say, you know, that, 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 that's tragic and I'm sorry, but you know what? That's man, that's not God. He's misrepresented God. You don't have to feel embarrassed or feel uh, intimidated. You stay on the track of truth. And you point out the error of man. Man is a sinner. Let me read you something Hosea says. It's been a while since we've been in Hosea. Maybe you forgot. But in Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 he says, My people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I also will reject you from being priests for me. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. You see, the people were destroyed for the lack of knowledge. Why? Because the priests were not teaching it. Woe to the pastors who do not teach their people. Woe to the pastors who get behind the pulpit every Sunday and give you flowery little messages that tell you that you're all going to go to heaven and that God accepts homosexual, lesbians, and perverts, and everything else without repentance. Woe to them. If you're living in sin, God has no delight in you. God loves you, but God cannot walk with you. But if you are willing to repent, he'll receive you and make you his son or his daughter. 
And then you walk in agreement with Him. But don't make God one with your sin. Man may buy it, but God certainly won't. And woe to those pastors who are not teaching and warning their people. God will judge them severely. Jesus says it would be better for you to tie a stone mill around your neck and to be cast into the sea than to stumble one of these little ones. Read Matthew 23, the woes of the scribes and the Pharisees. Great judgment. Thirdly, they had corrupted the covenant of Levi. They had deviated from what God intended. You remember Eli and his sons in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and 3? Now Eli wasn't corrupt, but his sons were. They were laying with the women in the temple. They were ripping off the offerings, and they were just turning people away from God. But Eli's sin was that he never restrained or confronted his children. And he honored his children above God. How you doing, parents? Do you honor your children more than you do God? Do you sort of water down the boundaries? Now, I'm not talking about cold, callous, legalistic. You better pray, you better ask for wisdom, but you better have mercy and compassion and wisdom, but you better set those boundaries. And if you set boundaries then consequences have to follow. And if you don't bring consequences, the boundaries become very gray. You better not honor your children above your God. You better honor God. You try to honor your children, you'll lose them. You honor God, you'll never lose them. And God will honor that. And so they had corrupted the covenant of Levi. But lastly, they were exposed before all the people as contemptible and base. This is the conclusion. This is what God would do. This is the condemnation of the priest. God judged them severely, and he judged them. First, because they didn't live up to the knowledge received. They failed. Because you have not kept my ways. Secondly, because they showed partiality in the law. You get in a position of authority, and pretty soon you see that you can get some perks, great benefit, and pretty soon you start watering down the word, you start treating some people better than others because they can do more things for you. God forbid. I don't care whether you're beautiful, whether you're fat, you're ugly, or whether you're a moral person, or whether you're a... A perverted sinner, if you're born again, then there is no respect to person. And I have to make myself available to you. Absolutely. Malachi shows us very clearly that God deals first and more severely with those in position of knowledge and privilege. It starts from the very beginning. You remember the fall? Who did God come to first? The serpent. Second, the woman. Third, Adam. The serpent held the greatest knowledge to Satan. The woman, then the man. And God takes them the priorities. And God deals in judgment according to that. And so I pray that you live according to knowledge. Are you living what you know? It's important that you do. Are you teaching others what you know by your life? Not just your lips. Are you honoring God? I hope you are. To minister the simple gospel of Jesus Christ. 
and that many may return to righteousness. Pastor Xavier Reese explaining how the strategies of the enemy are still at work today as he wraps up our Simple Truth Study series of the book of Malachi. And you can hear this message again, if you like, online anytime by selecting today's date at the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com. And just before we close, let me take a moment to mention that copies of today's study simply titled The Sins of the Priest are available, as always, on CD for only $4. And we'll be including everything Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is simply The Sins of the Priest, or just mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Again, that's Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com